Hello, my name is Carl Lloydhauser. I am the senior pastor of Grace Community Church, and I am so excited that you are with us on this podcast. We also want you to get connected in a church family. If you don't have a local church, check us out at gracemontrose.org. We want to make sure that you have an opportunity to grow and connect with God. But we pray that these next 25, 30 minutes that you spend with us are powerful, that God meets you and speaks to you because He loves you so much. So with that uh, 21 days of prayer and fasting, um, I've been praying about, okay, Lord, what what should I fast for those 21 days uh, starting January 1? And I want to invite all of you to join us in that. The staff is going to be doing that. And, you know, the life, the power, the transformation that we've seen, that's where it's all birthed. It starts in prayer. And we've seen incredible fruit uh, from doing this last year. So we're going to do it again this year. So I know that for the first seven days, I'm going to be fasting food because I really, really, really like food. And so that's going to help me focus. And then the second uh, seven days, I'll be uh, fasting from all media. I won't have my phone. And I I haven't figured out what to do on the third week yet. So I'm just asking God to show me. So um, I want to ask you right now to start praying and asking God, what should, how should you fast? How should you go through this? But if this is your church home, I'm going to ask that you would join us in this because there's power there. Uh, This is transformation. This is doing the work. This is where the battle is found. It's in prayer. So uh, Pat and Bill, would you come on up here? And Gina as well. So while they're making their way up, I've got a little announcement with them. Um, I also want to thank you. Uh, Last night is the first night that I have had off on a Parade of Lights in 15 years. I have never been to the Parade of Lights. And so um, until uh, last night, and I think we got a picture of that. Uh, There's uh, the trolley and uh, our crew, and uh, it was so cool. They, you guys did such a good job, so fun, such a great outreach. Uh, but just for me to be able to be there for one year was a, a lot of fun. So thanks for sacrificing your Saturday night uh, so that we could uh, all do that together. And uh, I think we should do that again. It was, uh, it was a blast. So yeah, okay. So I uh, asked uh, Bill and Pat to come up. So h- how long have you been going to Grace? About four years? Three years, three years in. And so um, they've, they've been here for three years. They've been small group leaders for that time. And the reason that I'm bringing them up, usually we don't celebrate the end of small groups. We celebrate the beginning of small groups, but they are ending their small group. But um, Gene and I were talking about it. Um, they have been leading small groups solid for 42 years, 42 years. And, and they feel like they're... Uh, they're out of that season now. It's time to let small group go for a little bit. I know you never retire from the kingdom of God, uh, but you're retiring from small group ministry. But the reason that we wanted to celebrate this is that's 42 years of a lifetime of discipleship, 42 years of giving yourself away, of valuing others, um, to giving what God has given you to other people. And we honor that and we thank you. And even though it didn't all happen here, it all happened in the kingdom of God. And uh, thank you for the three years that you gave us, but thank you for the 42 years in that sort of ministry that you gave the kingdom. So let's thank them and celebrate what God has uh, done. Thanks, Bill. Thank you. So thank you. Yeah, so that's all right. So that's a big deal. They're trying to give you a standing ovation. They're not sure. It's okay. Either way. So, you know, the, uh, the thing about that is uh, small groups are essential to what we're doing. That's how discipleship uh, takes place here. And so if uh, we need small group leaders, and uh, if you want to live a life of discipleship, if you want to live a life where you give yourself away and you see other people raised up in the Lord, I mean, every single one of us uh, needs a disciple, a Barnabas, someone that we're raising up in our lives. Small groups is the best way to do it. So talk to my wife, Gina. She's a small groups pastor. We need small groups right now. We've got 75 of them and it's not enough. We've had people actually come and are like, ah, sorry, we don't have a place to put you. 
And that's just not okay. Uh, we've got to make place. And so if you've had it in your heart at all, there are people who need to be discipled and uh, we need some more small group leaders. So thank you for your example, showing us what it's all about and what we're to do. All right, so now we're gonna jump into the sermon right now. And um, this is a little different sermon than we normally do. You're gonna see that my inner Lutheran is coming out uh, during this time. So I was raised Lutheran, went to Lutheran High, Lutheran schools, first year of college at a Lutheran college. So I've got a lot of Lutheran in me. And um, one of the things that we often talked about or heard about uh, through all those Bible classes that I took for all those years was Jesus and his three offices, which is prophet, priest, and king. And now Martin Luther talked quite a bit about that. John Calvin also talked quite a bit about that. Now, they weren't the first to talk uh, about it. Uh, Eusebius was actually the first to talk about that clearly in about 300 AD. He talked about these three offices. Now, it's not the only thing that Jesus does. He's also our Savior. But these are three offices that we see in the Old Testament that come out in his ministry in the New Testament. And we actually have foreshadowing of these three different things. And as we're going into Christmas, we wanted to look at who Jesus was, what he does, and what he's all about. And we thought, boy, you know, looking at him as prophet, priest, and king will really help us have a greater understanding of what took place on Christmas Day when he came to us and what he brought to us. So we wanted to talk about him as prophet. So we see that in Moses and Elijah. They were types, and there were a number of other prophets who were in the Old Testament, they were a type of prophet showing us and pointing to the true prophet. In fact, Moses says in Deuteronomy, he says, there's going to be another prophet just like me or much like me who's going to come. And he's talking about Jesus, that he is prophet. And then we have priests like Aaron and Levi, the, the priesthood. And a priest serves as an intermediary between us and God and brings us to God. And we see that Jesus is the complete, the perfect priest. And then we have kings like David and Solomon. And you'll read in 1 Samuel, actually, it talks about this branch, this one who is coming, who is going to be the king, who's going to sit on the throne. And of course, they're talking about Jesus. Now, I want to show you this. Uh, it all comes together in Hebrews. If you have your uh, Bible, please open it up to Hebrews verse 1. And we actually see all three of these offices in one place in this passage. Okay, and so we see, of course, in the Old Testament throughout, prophesied again and again that he's going to be prophet, priest, and king. But we see here in verse 1 of Hebrews 1, in the past... God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. So that's what we're talking about, is God talking about these words from heaven that come down to earth to speak to us, to sometimes tell us the future, but often about what's going on right now. But in these last days, and so now you and I, we are in the last days, and the last days started after Jesus was resurrected. So that was when all of the, most of the prophecy is complete, where it all comes together except one last thing, and that is Jesus returning. So this period that we're waiting between Jesus' resurrection and Jesus' final return, we call that period the last days. And he has spoken to us by his son. So there we have prophet. See, because prophecy is words from heaven. So he spoke to us by his son. Jesus was our prophet, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he made the universe. Now, this is an amazing verse right here. If you want to talk about who Jesus is, his nature, the son is the radiance of God's glory the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. So we have another clear example here that Jesus is fully man and he is also fully God, that he is sustaining all things by his word. And after he provided purification of sins, that's priest, that he came and purified us from our sins so we could get back to God again. We see Jesus as priest there. And then we see finally king. He sat down at the right hand of the majesty 
in heaven. So we're going to go through all three of these different offices over the next number of weeks, but today we're going to look at the first one, and that's prophet. Now, what does a prophet do? Now, primarily, we see over and over again in a bunch of Old Testament prophets that primarily they speak the words, they bring the words of heaven to earth. They speak the words of God. And so we see this like Nathan, for example. Nathan is a prophet to David. Now, what does he say to David? Well, David messes up, right? And he he has an affair, and then he has her husband killed. And the prophet comes to him, and he says, cut it out. Stop it. What have you done? And he brings the truth of God to the middle of the situation. We see that Samuel is a prophet to Saul. And what does he say to Saul? Pretty much the same message. Cut it out. Look at what you're doing. You've turned from God. Do it his way. He's bringing these words from heaven for the benefit of those who hear And then we see all of these Old Testament prophets, the minor prophets and the major prophets, and they keep coming saying the same thing, Israel, stop it, turn the other way. And yes, they bring some words for the future. See, when we see or hear the word prophecy, we often think of one aspect of prophecy, which is telling what is to come. But usually prophecy almost always is rooted in actually what is happening now. Israel, you must turn now or this will come. David, you've got to repent and change or there's difficulty coming. See, it's rooted in what's taking place right now. And so one of my goals right now, one of the things that I'm just asking God for over and over is, Lord, I want less, less of my words, and I want more of your words. I'm actually, Paul says that we should actually eagerly seek prophecy. We should seek words from heaven. God, give me your word from heaven to give to earth. That's what I want. Do you know why? Because one little whisper, one little whisper from the Holy Spirit It will bring you so much further and bring so much more freedom and bring so much more life than 10,000 nice little ideas that I can give you, than 10,000 smart things that I can say. And so my prayer for you, in fact, I'll pray right now, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would whisper to every single one of us, just whisper something. And listen, if you get one little whisper from God, one little thing that you say, ah, that's the Holy Spirit speaking to me, ignore the rest of what I say and hold on to that. Listen to that, because that's powerful. That's transformation. Oh, Lord, give me the words from heaven so I can give those words to your people. And someone might say, well, Carl, can you give me some advice? And I'd say, yeah, probably. But boy, I would much rather give you a word. I'd rather give you a word from heaven. And so I want to suggest that Jesus, just as he brings you into the priesthood, I would say that he brings you into being a prophet. And I want to suggest to you that this actually should be a goal for your life. That you should be a person who will come before God and say, God, I want your words, not my words. I want the words of heaven for earth, not the smart things that I could come up with. And, And yeah, okay, maybe some words for the future, but really the words that always comes for the present need, right now what God wants to say in this moment. Lord, help me bring the word of heaven to earth. I'm asking that God would give me prophecy. Now Jesus, by his very nature, I mean, just who he was was a prophecy. Why? Because it's God coming to earth. The word coming to earth. Just by standing there, he was prophetic. Now when we see prophecy, it's often warnings, right? In fact, most of the time, Old Testament prophecy is things like stop worshiping idols. Turn. You're heading for trouble. Babylon's going to come. There's warnings. I, I actually, I found some warning signs here. If we, let's bring up this first warning sign. Warning to avoid injury. Don't tell me how to do my job. So there's a warning sign there. I like this one actually a lot better. Please do not enter this dangerous area beyond this gate. 
You quite possibly will get hurt, then you will sue, then a protracted court battle will ensue, exhausting your financial resources, and you will lose because this sign that warned you will be exhibit one. I think that's kind of a prophetic sign there. I like that. And then uh, I found another warning sign here too as well. And uh, this one uh, reminds me of my family. This ride only stops in an emergency. And by the way, crying is not an emergency. We're not stopping for little kids crying. It reminded me of uh, when Maddie was uh, a little girl. We, I took her to Six Flags, Gene and I did. And um, you know they have that loop-de-loop roller coaster and it goes one way, then it comes back the other way. And so I don't know if they still had it, but they did then. And so we go, we do the first loop-de-loop and Maddie is screaming and she's crying and she grabs my arm and she says, Dad, make him stop. And I was just like, there's no stopping, kid. And so we went backwards the other way, and she screamed and cried the whole way back there, too. So there's lots of warning signs out there. But Jesus, he gives these prophetic warnings. In fact, there's seven of them in Matthew 23, really powerful. They're called seven woes. And so woe just means like terrible things. Trouble is coming to those who do this. And it's powerful, powerful prophetic words to the Pharisees, to the religious leaders. Now, how many of you have been serving Jesus, following Jesus for 10 years or more? Raise your hand. Okay, listen, for us, so I've been following Jesus for 30 years now. I think that it's really important that those of you who raised your hand, including me, we need to pay special attention to Matthew 23. Because what Jesus is doing is he's talking to the religious people. He's talking to the people who know, who've been around. I mean, mean, much of what I'm going to say, many of you can say, yeah, I've heard that before. Right? I've heard that, I've read that, I've seen that. And so we get these attitudes that Jesus actually has to kind of shock us out of. And so I read Matthew 23, and I actually I pay special attention to Matthew 23, because here I am, what? I'm a religious leader. And I, and I have to ask, and I would ask you, if you're a Christian, if you've been a Christian for a while, when you look at this stuff, don't say, ah, oh, those Pharisees. Say, do I do this? Is this a word, a prophetic word, a word from heaven to me that I need to pay attention to? Look at this one, Matthew 23, 25. This one hits me hard. Whoa. Trouble to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. Woo, be careful, guys. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Uh-oh. Self-indulgence, that sounds familiar to me. Blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and the dish, and then the outside will also be clean. So I come to this passage here, this prophetic word from God, and I say, okay, do I do this? Do I put on a good show with a dark heart? Do I say I'm serving Jesus when really I'm just consumed with self-interest? Show me, Lord. Am I honest with my sins? Am I honest with my failures, with my brokenness? Am I honest with my pride? And those of you who've been Christians for a long time, as you look at Matthew 23, I really want to encourage you, let those words sink in. Do I, Lord? Let God's word affect your heart. Sometimes, see, we have so much familiarity. I mean, Christmas is a, it's a perfect time. How, I mean, you know what I'm going to talk about on Christmas Eve, right? How many of you heard the story before? It almost doesn't mean anything to us. It's so amazing, so powerful. But we get numb to it, and Jesus has to shock us back into like, whoa, what's going on? That's one of the amazing things of Jesus. He always has the right intensity. No, um, he comes to the, uh, to, the Israel, to the Pharisees, he says, you brood of vipers. Whoa. Does he have your attention now? No. 
When my, uh, before God healed my shoulder, um, a friend of mine gave me one of those TENS units. You ever use those before? I have a picture of one right here. And so you put those little uh, electrodes on your muscles, you know, and it puts some current through there and it feels kind of good. But if you turn it up too high, your arm just starts going like this, you know, and like, like ah, it hurts, turn it, it burns, right? So you've got to have the right intensity on that little thing or it's, it's no good. And see, Jesus, it's amazing. He brings the right intensity. But Christians, listen. Now, now if you're going to bring a word of correction, if you're going to bring a word of truth to someone, it takes so much maturity and so much discernment and so much seeking God. Of, okay, now in leading of the Spirit, what is the intensity that I bring? How gentle am I to be with this word? In what way am I to bring this word? And you look and you're like, wow, does Jesus hate the Pharisees? I mean, seven woes for them? The answer is, of course not. Does he want them to be saved? We know he does. We see it with Nicodemus. But here's the thing. He knows that they are not listening and they cannot listen. And the only way to get to him is he's got to turn the volume up. He's got to shock them into it. You brood of vipers. What? Nobody talks to us like that. And that actually is their only hope. And Jesus knows exactly how to dial it in. And have you noticed that he turns it way down for those who are hurting? And those who feel shame. You know, Peter, I mean, Peter is just so full of shame and he, and he just turns the volume way down. He says, Peter, do you love me? So gentle, such a kind correction. The rich young ruler, you know, he looks at him, he says he loves him and he, and he says, ah, oh, but there's one thing you lack. Listen, buddy, you got to sell all that you have. You got to come follow me. That's the only way you're going to make it right now because it's got a hold of you. And so when people are listening and paying attention, Jesus actually turns the volume down a little. And isn't it funny how naturally we do the opposite? That when we talk to other Christians, when we talk to those who are really trying, that's when we get the hammer out. You know, we're like, ah, boom, ha <laughs> ha, that felt good, right? And then on those who don't care and those who are hostile, we turn the volume way down because we don't want to offend anyone. Don't want to make them feel uncomfortable. Boy, we'll sure make the Christians feel uncomfortable. Our brothers and sisters, get the hammer out. It's just amazing to me that Jesus does it the opposite way. But look at this in James 5. This is so important. This is why I'm talking about it. Listen, there's dangers here. There is a lot of danger that comes with correction, that comes with hard words. And we certainly can do it wrong, but it is so important that we have to talk about it. So I want to bring it here to James 5. It's the very last words that he brings in his letter. I think it's important that we remember the letter ends with this. He says, my brothers, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring him back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of his ways will save him from death. And I love this, and cover over a multitude of sins. See, that's why it's so important. Now, it's not about volume and it's not about shock. It's about their wholeness. It's about their health. It's about their freedom. And we say something because we actually care. Now, I have a friend, and, and I asked his permission to share this with you. And I have a friend who has struggled with alcohol for, for a while. And we're having this talk, and it's uh, just a little while ago, and he's saying, you know, and this person's doing that, and this person's doing this, and then this is a mess, and this is a mess, and you know, this, uh, and I was like, I just felt the Holy Spirit, like it's time. And so I just looked at him, I said, listen, listen, yeah, that, that's a mess. There's that little rock there and there's that little problem there. But if your life, it's like this jar and there's all these little rocks and you're trying to pull these little rocks out. But buddy, listen, you've got a big rock in there and it's alcohol. 
And I told him, I said, none of that other stuff, you can pull them out, throw them in. None of it is going to change until you get that big rock out of there. There's not going to be any freedom for anything else until we deal with your addiction. Now I want to show you, he responded, not just because of that. God was putting all sorts of circumstances together. There were other voices. I was just one of many voices. But um, he's now, he's been sober for three months now. But yeah, praise God, right? And this is, a, this is a text that he sent to me when I said, can I share this? And he says, yeah, you can share anything. He says, you can share this text. And this text, he said, after I said, can I, can I tell everybody about this? He says, to God be all the glory. I'm so grateful for what he continues to do. It's all too much to comprehend at this point. His mercy, his grace, his faithfulness, they're hard to even describe. I am watching miracles happen before me. I know he is just getting started, and I am so excited. And listen to this. Thank you for speaking the truth in love to me. Now, guess what? They don't all turn out like this. There's many times where I thought, you know, okay, well, this is what they got to hear, and I've got to bring it. And it's a very, very different story. But if I have to do 25 of those stories that are a disaster and 25 where they don't listen just to get one of these, worth it. I'll do it. If God will use me to bring life and freedom. See, Proverbs 24, it says, hold back those who are staggering on towards the slaughter. And so if you see someone that you love and they're just staggering on towards their own death, you say, Ooh, well, I don't want to offend them. You know, I don't want to get involved. I don't want to be judgy or pushy. Do you love them? You want to speak the words of Jesus? Sometimes, sometimes. And it takes discernment. It takes maturity. You have to understand the intensity. But sometimes you have to confront. You have to challenge. Now, there's two errors that, that we often have. I mean, and they're difficult. This is why we need the Holy Spirit. The first error is we are terrified to make anyone uncomfortable, right? But here's the thing. Sin's a problem. And it leads to death. And it destroys our lives. And it tears us away. That's the first error. The second error is that some of us, we relish the opportunity to stick it to them. We can't wait to just kind of put it in their face. <laughs> but neither you nor I, we're not better than anyone here. So the first thing that we do is we have to check our motives. And here's the first question. Are you concerned with them or are you concerned with your standard? Even if it's God's standard. Do you care about them or do you care about being right? Well, they're wrong. Yeah, they are. Do you care? Not about right and wrong. Do you care about them? Do you care about where it's leading them? And I, and I would suggest that if you don't care about them, then don't say anything. I don't think you have the right to confront them if you don't care about them. If you're not concerned where they're going. And here's the second thing. Is it life and death or is it just annoying? You know, it, I, I'll tell you what. If it has something to do with destroying your marriage or your family, or your ministry, or your soul, and I know about it, and I call you friend, I'm saying something. And I hope you would do the same thing for me. If you see that I'm heading for death, I would hope that you would say something. There's four words that we never celebrate on staff. And staff members have said this to me, and, and, they, and they, they, they don't say it anymore because they know what's coming. But, but they've said it before, and they think like, hey, good job, and it's not good job. They say this, well, I saw that coming. I knew that was going to go bad. And then you know what my next question is? Then why didn't you tell them? Why didn't you do something? Why didn't you help? Do you not love them? 
Did you just watch? I mean, the train, they're going down the middle of the tunnel and you see the light coming and you know it's a train and you're like, ooh, bummer. You're not going to run down there and help them? If you saw it, come and do something about it. But here's four words. If you're going to bring a challenge, this takes discernment. It takes wisdom. It takes seeking of God because we can do this so wrong. We can chase people away from God and the church forever in the way that we do this. But here's four words that are a pretty good clue. I am concerned that. I'm concerned. I'm concerned that if you keep doing that, your wife's going to leave you. I'm concerned that, that if it keeps going that way, that you're going to exacerbate your children and, and they're just going to, they're going to, ah, it's just going to be too much for them. And, and you've and you got you to pull back a little bit. I am concerned. It shows your heart. All right, so that's the first type of prophecy. Challenge. And God brings, Jesus brought challenge to us. I and mean, there's no doubt about it. That's why people reject him. No one likes to be challenged or changed. But then there's another one, and it's instruction. And we learn all about it. Jesus actually teaches us. He instructs us about instruction in Matthew 7. And you've probably heard this before, especially those 10 years or more Christians here. In verse 24, it says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice... So if you listen to my instruction, you do my instruction, you're like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. Now the rock is Jesus Christ and the rock is his instruction and his truth and his word. And if you build your house around that when the storms come, you're going to stand firm. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. It is amazing how instructions can make all the difference. It is amazing how the instruction from heaven can make all the difference for our lives. So at um, Christmas, uh, we've got, I think, I hope it's a new tradition where um, Nye and I like to put together Lego things together. And so we got the instructions out and we built, we built this thing. Uh, with the instructions that we were able, it's like a Harry Potter train or something like that. And we built that and it looks almost just like that. I mean, it was pretty amazing. It was, it was really good. And then um, I decided that I wanted to make a train without instruction. And that's what it looks like. <laughs> instructions matter. Right? They make a difference, right? And it brings wisdom and knowledge for a better life. And the instruction of the Lord, it's the whole difference between the Harry Potter train and that little mess of a thing that we could create on our own. There's this big controversy that takes place in the, the New Testament. It sounds silly to us, but it was a true thing. And, and they're fighting and they're arguing over, okay, now when you make a, a you swear, you make a vow before God, do, do you swear by the temple? Or do you swear by the gold in the temple? Or do you swear by the altar in the temple? And, there, and Jesus comes and he instructs them. And he says this, how about you just don't swear? It's wisdom. It's instruction. It's prophecy. It's correction. Let's start doing this the right way, guys. Come on, you're thinking about it all wrong. And, and Jesus brings these amazing, world-transforming, prophetic instructions to us that have changed a world that you don't even know how different the world is because Jesus brought these words, these prophetic words, these prophetic instructions from heaven down to earth. Something so amazing that you take it for granted, but turn the other cheek was so novel. It was an eye for an eye. That is how everyone lived, and it made the whole world blind, right? And Jesus says, no, no, they hit one side, you give them the other side. Ooh, 
Changes everything. Or, or this one, absolutely transformative. This amazing prophetic word, love your enemies. <sighs> now you've heard uh, maybe of uh, Abraham Lincoln and the woman, uh, she comes up and she rebukes Abraham Lincoln. She says, you're being too kind to the South. You're being too soft on them after all that they've done to us. And maybe you know that his famous response is, Madam, do I not destroy my enemies when I make them my friends? That's Jesus. Love your enemies. That's Jesus. Lincoln wouldn't have known that. We wouldn't have any Martin Luther King Jr. without Jesus. These amazing words that he brought to us. One that many of you need right now in this season. Jesus says prophetically to you, don't worry. Stop worrying. I got you. And most of our days are just worrying about tomorrow. And I have a guarantee for you. Listen, I have a promise. That if you are in Jesus... On the day that you stand before him, the day that we see our eyes are fully open, that we fully know, there's one thing that I know that you're going to say. You're going to say, I wish I wouldn't have worried so much. I wish I would have just had the faith that it all worked out because here I am standing before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Here I am and it all worked out and he saw me through all of it just like he said he would. Now, how many of you have been Christians for less than 10 years? Okay, number of you, right? Now I want to give you a challenge. This week, I want you to read Matthew 5 through 7. And it's all about instruction. And I think you're going to learn some things. Just spend some time seeing what God says, what he teaches us about our lives. And then when you get it, teach others. See, as prophets, this is, these are lessons from God for our lives that we give to other people. So those are two types of prophecy that we've talked about. We've talked about this correction or challenge, and we've talked about instruction. And then there's this beautiful words of prophecy, which is words of life and freedom. Prophecy changes in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, it's mostly turn. You need a Messiah, you need a Messiah, turn. You need a Messiah, turn. Then the Messiah comes, and the word changes. And you know what we start hearing prophetically for the first time? Grace. Mercy, redemption, reconciliation, that now I want to bring you back to me. And to turn is to come to me, to turn is to find me, and actually I will do the work for you. I will bring you to me, and I will transform your life and transform your heart. It's amazing, powerful words that Jesus brings. The whole tenor changes because he's made the sacrifice, because he's made the way. I'm going to show you in, in John 3. We have Jesus talking to a Pharisee, and you can see that the dials turned down low for this Pharisee. Verse 1, it says, Now there's a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. And he came to Jesus at night, and he said, Rabbi, we know you're a teacher who has come from God, for no one can perform the miraculous signs you're doing if God were not with him. And in reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. How can a man be born when he's old, Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and of spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit, the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases, you hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. And here we have this impossible problem and an impossible solution in overwhelming circumstances. I can't be born again. You have to be born all over again? I guess I'm out of luck. I'm sunk. 
I guess there's no hope. There's no way I could do that, Jesus. And then John 3.16, he brings the simple, beautiful, powerful solution that many of you know by heart. For God so loved the world that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. You want to be born again? Just believe. You want to be born again? Just turn to Jesus. Look to him as Lord. Follow Jesus. That's it. You're right. You can't be born again, but I can help you be, I can make you a new creation. I can give you new life. And in me, you are born again. Impossible work unless God comes in. Amazing prophetic work of God. That he comes and does what we always desire and always hope, but we can never, ever do. And the prophet brings the good news that there is a way forward. And I'll tell you what, most of New Testament prophecy, I believe most of our prophecy now should be there as a way forward. Yeah, repentance, it's a way forward. Turn to Jesus, that's the way forward. Walk a different way. Here's a way forward. Jesus comes and he brings mercy and grace to every situation. And if we want to be New Testament prophets, most of the words we should have should be grace, should be mercy, should be strength. And yes, sure, conviction, sure, challenge, sure, pull out of sin, but so that you can find life. Because with Jesus, there's always a way forward. And he comes into these impossible situations like loss. I mean, you've lost a loved one. You have this grief. And how can I possibly go forward? And Jesus comes with this prophetic word. Well, I come and I go to prepare a place for you. See, there's a way forward through your grief because this isn't the end. I have more for you. Or we're caught in the shame for what we've done. Is How can I make this right? And how can I ever be used by God after what I've said and what I've been? And he says, your sins are forgiven. Go and sin no more. And we look at this world and it's a mess and it's falling apart and it's just getting worse and worse. And Jesus says, well, I have a word for you. Keep watch for the Son of Man will come at an hour that you do not expect. So get ready. You're not going to fix this world, but you can get your heart ready. Get your heart right before me. Look to me and I will keep you and I will take you. I will protect you. And then I have life for you in the midst of this. I found this little clip uh, from um, Chosen and it's... uh, it's just this beautiful word, this beautiful move that God brings to a person who has no hope in an impossible situation. If you would please show that. It's a leopard. Stay back. Cover your mouth. Don't breathe his air. Don't come any closer. It's okay, John. Rabbi, 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 you are willing, you can make me clean. Only if you want to, I submit to you. My sister, she was a servant at the wedding. She told me what you could do. I know you can heal me if you are willing.
moment that that's the word of God for those who need healing I'm willing that that's the word of God for those of us who have the leprosy of sin in our hearts be cleansed that's the word for heaven for us say well I want the words from heaven don't you want the words from heaven be healed be cleansed. Speak the words of life. Speak the words of freedom. Speak the words of restoration. That's what Jesus has. That's his heart. Christmas is the arrival of our prophet, our priest, our king. The prophet proclaims the work, the word of God, does the work of God. Look at the work of Jesus. This is his work. This is what Jesus does. The spirit of the Lord, as he's prophesying, reading the prophecies about him, saying, this is what I do. This is what I'm about. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has appointed me, anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. What a message from heaven that God has for us. What a message from heaven that God wants us to give. Jesus is the message. He is the word who has come to speak to us. He spoke the message. He lived the message. Praise God that he has sent us a prophet to proclaim the words that say you can be reconciled with me. And yes, to be challenged. And yes, to be uh, instructed. But to receive his grace, his mercy. And so I have a challenge for you right now. Be a prophet. Listen, this isn't something crazy or mysterious or mystical. This is something that God tells us is one of our gifts, is following Him. And we're actually encouraged to seek especially prophecy. Ask God for words from heaven to give to other people. And I'll tell you, this is really, really simple. All you have to do is you have to say, Jesus, what would you say to them? Watch what He brings. It's happened to me this last week. So I was over at, uh, I was at the rec center. And um, I was working on my calves, of course, because that's the only muscle I work on. And so I'm there, and it's true, I'm working on my calves. And, um, and I'm there, and I don't know if it's true, so if, if you're here, I'm sorry. It was just my assumption. But, but it appeared to me that this woman was right next to me, and she was kind of yelling at her husband. That's what it felt like to me, what it seemed like to me. And so I just started praying for her. And I was like, wow, she doesn't seem like she's super happy right now. And I said, God, um, what, what would you say to her? Jesus, what would you say to that woman? And something came up to, to my mind. I'm like, oh no, now I have to tell her. And so I was like, okay, give me courage, give me, the, give me an opportunity. And so it sounded like, this sounded like something Jesus would say, so I did it. And I said, you know, I was praying for you, I was working on my glorious calves, and then um, I, as I was praying, um, I felt like God told me to tell you, this was it, seriously, I just said, I feel like God told me to tell you that he likes you. In fact, I, I feel like God told me to tell you that he really, really, really likes you. And she said, oh, well, thanks. That was it. Personally, I think that was a prophecy. Personally, I think that was a word from heaven to give to them. And so I want to just ask you, I want to encourage you now to ask God, Lord, I want prophecy. I want words from heaven to give to my children. I want words from heaven to give to my spouse. I want words from heaven to give to my coworkers. And listen, it could be really, really simple. You, can, you don't even have to say, God told me to tell you. You could just say, God likes you. God's for you. 
God is with you. It could just be an insight on how to go forward in the midst of it. See, but I want the words of Jesus because the words of Jesus change everything. The words of Jesus transform our lives. The words of Jesus restore us. The, the, the words of Jesus take our spots away. Make us whole. They make us clean. So, Lord God, I pray right now for this body, Lord, these people who love you, God. I know they love you. I see it. And, God, I pray, would you please, would you release prophecy? Would you release prophecy in this church? Would you release prophecy in me? Would you release the words of heaven, God? Would you just give us all, Lord, in our own simple, natural way, Lord, in who you've created us to be, Lord. We don't have to be somebody special, Lord, but we are in you, Lord. We have what we need. So would you please release words of prophecy? And yes, Lord, we want words of challenge when it's needed, and we want words of instruction, but Lord, mostly can we have words of life? Will you give us words of life to give to other people? Holy Spirit, release prophecy in this place. Release prophecy in our homes. Release prophecy in our work. Release prophecy in our lives, Lord, so we can see your kingdom come, your will be done, and your freedom here on earth like people are free in heaven. In Jesus' name. Thank you so much for being with us. I hope that God spoke to you. We would love to follow up and care for you any way that we can. So come visit us at gracemontrose.org. Say hello. Let us know what we can do to help you grow in Him. God bless you.